When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Amber and Ian is on ESPN Radio. ESPN Radio is presented to you by Progressive Insurance. We got some Monday night football action headed your way in just about 15 minutes from now. Chargers at Jets. And let's bring in some help to talk about those New York Jets. Quincy Anunwa, former Jets wide receiver, joining us. And Quincy, thanks so much for your time. Where would you put the Jets' chances at this point of making the playoffs? How confident do you feel about a postseason and the Jets' future? Oh, okay. Well, first off, I appreciate you for having me on. And second, I would say, uh, you know, I do feel confident. I think the one thing that's kind of keeping me from saying that I feel maybe higher than 75% is the injury concerns, right? Offensively, they just continue to be hampered every game. There's somebody that goes down, and that makes it really challenging. You need consistency on the offensive line, and right now they just don't have that. You know, obviously we can talk about the quarterback, we can talk about all the other things, the receivers, we can go down the list, but ultimately injuries on the offensive line have really just been a challenge for this Jets team. We always talk about the quarterback, right? I want to bring a different angle to the Zach Wilson conversation, though, here, and Quincy Anunwa, former Jets receiver, joining us. With Aaron Rodgers, and listen, Aaron Rodgers is not the quarterback right now, so it's frustrating to maybe start this thing by talking about him, but Aaron Rodgers is hanging around, and we're seeing the videos, and he's out there before games and showing us that he's getting some of that mobility back. If you're inside that locker room, how helpful is that or harmful Mm. is that? What would you make about his presence and sort of not just his presence, Quincy, but his need to sort of be there where the cameras are as well? Yeah, Uh, that's that's a great point. That's a great question. I would say, um, honestly, I think when you look back to the to prior to the season uh, training camp, we got a glimpse into training camp with Hard Knocks, and we got to see how much guys loved Aaron Rodgers. They loved having him around, his personality. Guys have handshakes with him. You know, everybody was really excited to have him here. So, although I think everybody supports Zach Wilson, I don't know if anybody is really. Uh, upset about the idea that Aaron Rodgers might come back this season. So I would say, you know, from the outside looking in, I'm sure there's a lot of uh, speculation and and ideas about Aaron Rodgers being around when the cameras are around and all that stuff. But I would say as a player, uh, knowing that you have a guy of Aaron Rodgers caliber uh, with the possibility to come back, you know, you're always going to welcome that. And he's a leader. So, you know, on top of him just being there, he's also, you know, rooting his guys on and making sure that he's giving these guys positive words. Now, we know at some point he's coming back from injury, whether it ends up being towards the end of the season or whether it ends up being next season. But after that, we assume that there will come a day that Aaron Rodgers will hang it up. And then have you seen enough from Zach Wilson at this point to feel confident about whatever the future holds at that position after Aaron Rodgers? Oh, I would say, honestly, uh, Zach Zach Wilson has to show more. Um, I think that he's shown – uh, to be a capable backup right now, and he's been doing well in his position. Um, in order to say this is the long-term starter at quarterback, I think you just need a little bit more from him, a little bit more consistency, a little bit more taking chances and making the throws that we know he can make. I think right now he's doing a good job of managing the game um, and taking his chances when he can. Uh, but in order for you to be a starter, you know there needs to be a few more plays being made. So um, I'm sure Zach Wilson is up for the challenge. 
um, to, to prove that. He has a, uh, a whole another half of the season to do that. And the Jets will, you know, take that into account. And then, you know, when it becomes time whether to draft somebody, pick somebody up, you know, they'll make the decision that they need to make. What about Robert Sala? What's your analysis of this coaching staff for New York? Uh, I think they're doing a great job. You know, I think that uh, there are some things that obviously they would like to do better. Um, I would say, for one, just starting faster. Uh, they do a great job of finishing the games. You know, we've seen it over and over again the past couple of years of them finishing really strong, you know, overtime wins. You know, you could basically call them the cardiac kids right now. So I think they do a great job of that. I think just finding a way to start fast is really got to be their prerogative. Um, defensively, they continue to play well. You know, that's his M.O., um, but just finding a way to find a better offensive identity. You know, you have Brees Hall there. He's starting to really pick it up. But some games he's getting a lot of carries, some games he's not, you know, and, and we understand he's come back from injury. But hopefully now that the, the training wheels are off, you know, we can really see him become an uh, integral part of this uh, offense. Quincy Anunwa, former Jets wide receiver, joining us here on Amber and Ian. In your eyes, Quincy, who is the best team right now in the AFC? Oh, I mean, we just saw uh, the Bengals win yesterday. Um, you know, that, that team was really good. Um, I think they're saying right now that the AFC North, every single team will make the playoffs if we started tomorrow. You know, so you got Lamar Jackson playing well in Baltimore as well. So, you know, I'd love to kind of see a few more games to really make that test. But those teams are really playing well. You know, Kansas City obviously is always going to be up there. You know, as long as Patrick Mahomes is their quarterback, they're going to continue to excel. All right, I'll let it slide that you didn't throw my Dolphins into that conversation. A little fair uh, right now. Quincy Anunwa, former Jets wide receiver, joining us here on Amber and Ian. Who is the quarterback in the league that you're watching right now playing who you would love to be catching footballs from? Oh, well, I just named one in uh, Patrick Mahomes. I think uh, his playmaking ability, his ability to uh, move in the pocket, um, take chances on throws that most people won't take, his arm angles, I mean, you know, it's just hard to defend against him. And I feel like catching passes from him would be, you know, an amazing experience because, you know, he's you're always going to be have an opportunity to get the ball. There is not really an opportunity. There's not really a chance where he's down. Like, he's going to figure out a way to get off, get out of the pressure, uh, escape a sack, and give you an opportunity to make a play. Chargers, Jets, starting 8.15 p.m. kickoff. We will keep you updated on that game as the action kicks off. Quincy Anunwa, former Jets wide receiver, joining us here on Amber and Ian. I'm going to ask you about that game and that matchup in just a moment, but I wanted to get your opinion on what C.J. Stroud did over the weekend. I mean, just quite literally breaking records as a rookie quarterback. And then, of course, you have the number one overall pick in Bryce Young, who's anything but breaking records. Talk to me about what it's like coming into the league as a player and are we judging these guys too soon should we be giving it more time on either end of the spectrum yeah I mean if I'm being honest as a as a former player that played with young quarterbacks I always feel like there's a lot of pressure on on young quarterbacks because they have to learn so much we think about a lot of offensive systems in college there's a lot of check with me to the sideline they're looking at signs they're looking at boards so not really reading the coverages so that's for a lot of these quarterbacks, this is something that they have to learn once they get to the NFL. So now you have to learn the playbook, got to learn how to read defenses, and you got to be able to do all that within like three seconds while you're on the field, right? It's got it's really quick processing time. So um, I think you know I I always feel like you know they they need a little bit more, but that's why they get paid the big bucks, right? So you know I think ultimately there's always a trade off there. But as far as uh, C.J. Stroud, I mean, what an amazing performance, right? Five touchdowns, I think it was. You know, the guy is 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 making the throws he needs to make. He's a dynamic player. Um, so, you know, it's, it's it's fun to watch guys like that come in and 
and do different than what you expect. You know, you expect these guys to kind of struggle a little bit. And he's had his moments, but, uh, you know, stuff like that really kind of uh, lets you see what he's capable of. As a former wide receiver, when you're watching these guys out there on Sundays and Mondays, who's the best receiver right now, do you think, in the National Football League? Oh, I mean, Tyreek Hill is is, is playing phenomenally. Uh, but I would say um, best receiver is hard, but my favorite receiver right now is A.J. Brown. I really like his style of football. Um, you know, I love Tyreek Hill, too. I love that he's able to to run the routes the way he does, so precise, especially with the speed that he runs it. You know, not many guys can do that. A lot of guys are fast, but they're not able to really break down and really uh, understand all those different things. So he's he's special. He is special. Tyreek Hill is special. But I, I really like A.J. Brown because he's kind of an old-school guy in, in, in some ways. You know, he's really tough. Um, he plays physically, not only when he after the catch, but also through his routes as well. You know, so I love to watch that type, that type of receiver. I was expecting you to go full Homer and go like Garrett Wilson or something, but I liked the objectivity. <laughs> well, no, he's definitely on my list. Yeah, he's, uh, well, he's yeah, he's phenomenal. All any listen, all three of those guys, absolutely phenomenal. You can't go wrong. Quincy Anunwa, former Jets wide receiver, joining us here on Amber and Ian. Let's talk about this game tonight. How do you think this Jets defense matches up against that Chargers offense? Yeah, I mean the Jets defense is top in the league. You know, I think that uh, they've been sh- they've been doing a good job of quieting a lot of great quarterbacks. So when you think about that coming into this game, Justin Herbert has a big challenge. And I think uh, on the so so because of that, you know, I think the Jets defense really has the upper edge here. Um, you know, I think Justin Herbert is going to have an uphill battle. You know, he has one main receiver that he goes to, and that guy is, is a great receiver. Uh, but he lost Mike Williams early in the season. You know, and that's a guy that, you know, can make a lot of plays as well. I see that they're really incorporating Austin Eckler a little bit in the past game. So that's something that obviously the Jets are going to have to watch, especially because they tend to lose their running back a little bit. And we have a quarterback that can kind of move in the pocket and a team that sometimes can lose the running back. You know, that's a dangerous combination. Uh, but, you know, I think, you know, these guys, Quincy Williams, Sauce Gardner, CJ Mosley, you know, those guys are, are, are top notch. Uh, so, you know, it'll be a good test. One more, Quincy, and I'll get you out of here. How ridiculous would it be if Aaron Rodgers is able to make it back this season? Uh, honestly, it would be completely ridiculous. I think that uh, if that happens, uh, everybody should try to play the Powerball, uh, play every lottery, you know, like that. <laughs> right. uh, not to say that it's not possible, but it, the chances, you know, we've never seen it before, you know. So uh, I, I, I think as a fan of football, you want to see it. You want to see Aaron Rodgers on the field this year. Um, but I know it would be really challenging. Really, really challenging, and then add that age factor into things and extraordinarily yeah. challenging. Quincy Anunwa, <laughs> former Jets wide receiver. Thanks so much for your time, Quincy. Thank you for having me. Coming up next here on Amber and Ian, Monday Night Football is about to kick off on our televisions. We will talk more about Jets and Chargers, keep you updated on that game, and get into some of the keys for this matchup next. ESPN Radio is also on the ESPN app. Hi, it's Mike Greenberg letting you know ESPN Bet is ready to take you through all the biggest sports moments this spring. The official sportsbook of ESPN has exclusive offers and markets from Scott Van Pelt, Stephen A. Smith, and me, plus many more. From the playoff intensity to finally getting out to the ballpark, there's no better time for sports fans. Sign up today. New users get a bet reset up to $1,000 in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. Download ESPN Bet today. What a play. Must be 21 plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. See app for details. This podcast is proud to be supported by Jets Pizza, the number one pick in Detroit-style pizza. Why? It's simple. 
Jets is better. With the thickest, crispiest, cheesiest Detroit-style pizza in the country, there's no competition. Right now, get $5 off any eight-corner pizza with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Go to jetspizza.com to learn more and find a location near you. Again, try Jets' signature eight-corner pizza and get $5 off with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Jets Pizza. Better because it has to be. Monday Night Football action is starting right now. The Chargers and Jets getting it going at MetLife. They are about to kick off in this game. Amber and Ian is on ESPN Radio. ESPN Radio presented to you by Progressive. Find him at Ian Fitz ESPN. You can find me as well at Amber W Sports. You can also join the conversation on the Dr. Pepper call-in line, 888-ESPN. I no longer say the entire number, Ian. I have learned my lesson. It's say ESPN. <laughs> Y'all so can figure out the numbers that correlate. You have me you, crying. If you missed what I'm talking about, it's the podcast. It's on the ESPN app. 729-377. What? It's supposed to be six, but that's Just, not what came out of my mouth. Don't spoil it. Don't spoil it. Just switch an eye for an E. Just switch an eye for an E, and we get a whole different conversation not approved by You're Disney. dialing a whole nother number. Uh, yeah, dialing a whole nother number, Might need and a, a whole card. nother thing was on my mind on Friday. So again, if you check out the Amber and Ian podcast on the ESPN app, you can listen to all of that glory. The Monday Night Preview is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. So let's talk about this matchup in front of us. Ian Fitzsimmons, what do you think is going to be the key for the Chargers and the Jets? Uh, for the Chargers, it's Justin Herbert. With, with Palmer out at wide out, with Mike Williams out, Keenan Allen's got to be an absolute beast tonight. And they got to find a way to get Austin Eckler, their running back, in space. You're not going to be able to run it against that Jets front. But you can get it to him in other ways. He's an outstanding receiver, one of the best receiving backs in the league. So to me, Herbert, uh, king on Keenan Allen, he's going to have to have a monster game. And then also finding Eckler in space. And to me, that's that's the biggest key. Because Herbert's getting healthier with that you know, busted up ring finger on his non-throwing hand. Watching the first snap here, he wasn't in the gun. The, a good sign for Charger fans and Herbert is he was under center taking a snap, even with that busted up, uh, you know, ring finger on his non-throwing hand. Eckler last week racked up seven receptions, 94 receiving yards, and a score. It was really the game there against the Bears that showed Austin Eckler is back to healthy and back to being the guy that we got accustomed to seeing last season because this season he just hasn't been that guy yet but also been dealing with injuries throughout the season. I think the key here is going to be what this Jets defense can do to this Chargers offense. It's easy to say, but this Jets defense has absolutely been everything that we expected this Jets defense to be. It's why we spend so much time talking about the offense and how are they going to stay afloat without Aaron Rodgers because everybody really truly believes in the other side of the ball, right? That defensive capability in terms of it being championship caliber. And that defense has looked every bit of the expectation this season. So is Zach Wilson, of course, going to be able to do enough and that offense enough to stay afloat to allow that defense to shine? But it will be whether that defense can shut down Justin Herbert and this offense that can be at times high flying for the Chargers. You saw them the very first snap of the game. Justin Herbert went for it. Super long pass. Great, great cornerback coverage, which is something that we are very used to seeing from this Jets defense. So now the Jets have the ball. The Chargers, um, 
what three and out three and out right right off the top three and out right off the top punted it back the Jets have the ball right now and they are looking at third and six right now so and one of the big keys also Amber is Zach Wilson not turning the football over and winning three of their last four He's, he's done a pretty good job of taking care of the football. Just They want him, as Bill Parcells famously said when he was the head coach of the Dallas Cowboys, when I was covering the Cowboys back then, he said, Tony Romano just needs to drive the bus. Be a bus-driving quarterback. Just don't get us beaten. And just that's, that's what Zach Wilson needs to do. You know, just don't cost your team a possession – like manage the football game. Double coverage right there, and it almost got interception. <laughs> and that's <laughs> what I'm talking about. At, right on cue. There we go. Right. I mean, that those are the throws that when he gets over to the bench, Aaron Rodgers is going to tell him, along with any other coach. You know, Robert Sala kind of lets the offense, you know, do their thing uh, as, as a defensive minded guy. But I can promise you, Rodgers is going to go over and go, look, man. You know, you you had this. You don't need to be forcing footballs into double coverage and getting guys rocked. He just Be- tried to, yeah, and that's exactly what he did. He tried to hit his guy coming on the inside route across the field, and he had safety help. So, I mean, you had a corner and a safety there converging on the receiver, and, I mean, straight up in double coverage. Very lucky that that didn't get picked. And they showed a shot of Aaron Rodgers on the sidelines. Shaking his head. Shaking his head. Frustrated. Because, of course, that's not a throw he would make. Oh, here we go. Chargers right now. You don't do play-by-play. I'm not. Well, it's ours, though. It's ours, though. We're it's ESPN. He's still getting in trouble. Do you still get in trouble for it if it's ESPN? Uh, yeah. I don't think you can. I think ESPN can't get in trouble from ESPN. All right. Yes. Here we go. Let's there pause you go, 10 seconds. Yes. There you go. Yeah. And now. <laughs> Chargers just <laughs> ran the punt all the way back to the house. Now it's not play by play. It's been like a minute since it happened. So there you go. Chargers first on the board. Uh, special teams making its first appearance in this game. But you saw Aaron Rodgers on the sideline. You saw him being frustrated because, yes, he would have known not to make that throw that Zach Wilson just made. Again, all is well that ends well, I guess, in terms of the interception did not actually occur. But it was an ugly thro- throw from Zach Wilson. And the thing is with Aaron Rodgers, his presence on the sideline doesn't bother me, but we were talking about this earlier, Ian, where it's the parading before the game of how close he is or how close he wants us to believe he is from coming back. That's what not something that I understand us. I, I just don't understand why that would be helpful to his team. Yeah, that's something that we were talking to, to Coach Herm Edwards about off air, that he agrees that having Aaron Rodgers in the uh, in the bench area with with the headset on that that is a remarkable asset that very few teams can have a first ballot Hall of Famer and a Super Bowl champion who knows has seen every single look every single defense you can imagine coming over and talking to Zach Wilson like after that last throw where he threw into double coverage and got his tight end rocked Aaron's going to go over and go look hey you had this or you could have done this you know, or here's a, here's a key, you know, that, that, and a pre-snap read to look at. That is absolutely invaluable, and you want Aaron Rodgers in that bench area to be able to talk to your young quarterback. But to your point, the showmanship before the game, coming in without the cart, right, and walking in without a walking boot, uh, to, to the theme of, you know, the Rock, Rocky Balboa uh, and, and the Rocky movies, where all of a sudden he's parading in and kind of stops and pauses for the camera and gives him a little wink. That's what you're talking about, and I'm with you. you know. It, it, but he can't help himself. He loves the cameras. He loves the attention. That's why part of why Green Bay also wanted him out. They were tired of all the showmanship. And the 
dangling of, well, will I be here? Am I going to retire? I don't know. Get the hell out, right? And now he's he's loved being in New York. He loves being in the Big Apple, in the biggest city that, that this country has, and where the lights are brightest and the stage grander. He can't help it. Having him in the bench area, huge asset. Everything else, immediate. Well, I'm with you. It's 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 growing a bit old. But if he is able to come back, it'd be a damn medical miracle. Uh, okay, I, but we don't. We've need... never seen anything like that. That's fine, but we don't need the week in and week out. Here yeah. is what the progress might look like. I mean, it's it's it just seems silly at this point, right? Like you're either coming back or you're not coming back. You're not coming back this week. So why do we care how well you're walking into the facility, frankly, this week, right? Like, let's go ahead and focus on the guys that are actually on the field. But what it leads to is it leads to Adam Schefter being on Pat McAfee today, having to talk about, is he coming back? Being on Monday Night Football Countdown today, talking about, is Aaron Rodgers coming back? I mean, Schefter spends like 90% of his time now with this conversation. Here's Adam Schefter on Monday Night Football Countdown. Eight weeks ago tonight that he ruptured his Achilles, had surgery that week, and of course now is back there. The difference tonight is now he's taking some three-step drops tonight (laughs) where he wasn't doing that before. Now he's throwing the football 50 yards downfield. And here's the thing. It doesn't cost the Jets anything to be hopeful and optimistic. They want to see themselves get back into this playoff race this weekend. We saw the Bills lose, the Dolphins lose, the Patriots lose. Every team in the division lost. The Jets need to handle their business to stay competitive in the playoff race to give this man a chance to come back. Insurance for motorcycles, boats, and RVs for protection on the road and on the water. See how much you can save at 1-800-PROGRESSIVE and at progressive.com. Calm. So here we are, another week, another Aaron Rodgers pseudo update. We'll continue to get them week in and week out. Coming up next, let's talk about the game of the weekend from last night. Amber and Ian rolls on. ESPN Radio is also on the ESPN app. We all know breakfast is an important part of your day, but sometimes when you're traveling for business, you end up staying at a hotel that doesn't offer any. You know what happens? You grab a cup of coffee and skip the meal entirely. We've all been there. But if you book a room at La Quinta by Wyndham, you can enjoy their free bright side breakfast featuring delicious baked goods, fruit, eggs, yogurt, and waffles. And really, who doesn't want to start their day with a fresh, hot waffle? Tonight, La Quinta, tomorrow you shine. Book direct at LQ.com. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. A heck of a game between the Cowboys and the Eagles. That game lived up to the hype. In every sense of the word, the final outcome, Philadelphia survived 28-23 over Dallas. But let's talk about those Dallas Cowboys. And for that, we bring in Todd Archer, ESPN NFL Cowboys reporter, on with Amber Wilson and Ian Fitzsimmons. And Todd, thanks so much for your time. This is the rare Cowboys loss where nobody really can talk smack about Dak today. (laughs) Absolutely. I I thought you were going to throw a stat because it's, it's the first time Dak has lost when he's thrown for 300 yards, had three touchdown passes and no picks. He was 7-0 and or 8-0 and prior to this one. And, yeah, to me, that was one of Dak Prescott's best games. And 
he carried the Cowboys. Like, I mean, he was sacked five times. It, it wasn't perfect schemes and all that, right? It was Dak using his legs and buying time and getting away from that rush and making big plays uh, down the field. And that's really what he's done the last three games since that San Francisco game. It's almost like he said, okay, I got to go back to being early Dak, not sit in the pocket, let things develop Dak. And, and you know, he he was great yesterday. And I'm sure he's kicking himself over his right foot, getting two inches out of bounds on that two-point play. Because if he gets that, Cowboys are kicking a field goal to tie the game at the end, not needing a touchdown to win it. Heck, also, you go back here earlier, Archer, and uh, and uh, we got to get it in. Todd Acha from ESPN <laughs> here with us on ESPN Radio. But, Todd, you know, go back to, I can't remember, uh, I think it was the backup tight end, right, on, on the goal line on fourth down. If, he's, if he runs that yep. route half, yeah, Schoonmaker, he runs that route half a yard deeper. I mean, that, that's eight points left on the board to a combined total of about six to eight inches. So having said all of that, people want to assign blame you know, or what's the problem with the Cowboys? Well, maybe the problem simply, Archer, in my opinion, was it was at Philly against the best team in the NFC. Was that the problem? Uh, sure. I mean, it was – I don't know if how you uh, – we started off, you can't blame Dak for this one. There are other games where everybody wants to. Yep. Um, maybe you can look at – individual. you know, yeah, Scootmaker should have been a yard deep uh, or, you know, or half a yard deeper than, than he was on that fourth down play. Or maybe Dak should have gone to his right where Brandon Cooks is wide open on a little rub route with him in CD. Um, you know, the, the defense, if you want to throw some blame at them, coming out of the half, they have a 17-14 lead. Defense allows two long touchdown drives, 60 yards, 87 yards, to allow the Eagles to kind of take control of the game at that point and forces the Cowboys to come back. Uh, the running game, again, doesn't do anything. Terrence Steele struggles at right tackle. Like, there were a lot of things that didn't go right for the Cowboys in that one, and they still had a chance, like you said, Ian, against the team with the best record in the conference. And the Cowboys wake up today, there's only two teams in the NFC with a better record, or with more wins than the Cowboys. Detroit and Philadelphia. They play both of those teams again in December. The two and a half games out of the lead right now in the division looks daunting at the moment. But when these teams meet again, things could look an awful lot different because that's kind of just the way the NFC has gone this year. It is certainly the way that the NFC has gone this year. Todd Archer, ESPN Cowboys reporter, joining us here on Amber and Ian. Todd, what's the morale like in the locker room coming off of this one since we are talking about a loss that was mere inches? Yeah, it, it's, it was funny. The, the I'll, I'll compare it to that San Francisco loss, right? It's 42-10, to 10 and it's they, they were shell-shocked. Uh, they, they were they were embarrassed in that game. You know, they, they put so much into that because the Niners knocked them out of the playoffs the last two years, and they just didn't show up. And then in this one, disappointed. And Dak said, look, there's no moral victories here. We all understand that. But you sensed a team that kind of righted themselves and can say, okay, maybe we got something here. Now, they don't really have margins for error here. Um, you, you know, if they want to contend with the Eagles in, in the division – so they have four of their next five at home where they've won 11 straight games. Uh, I think it's a franchise record. They have to hold serve at home and their lone road, road, road game during this stretch is at Carolina. By the time you get to December, the Cowboys could be 9-3 and three going into that rematch with the Eagles. So I, I think they see they, – they, they certainly talked confidently in the locker room after the game, but were also bitterly disappointed they didn't win it. But I think they felt much better about themselves coming out of that locker room than they did that San Francisco locker room. 
A lot of people are also, you know, pointing to the last drive because could Mike McCarthy, head coach of the Cowboys, you know, done some things differently. And the only thing I, I would nitpick, uh, Todd, and, and I think it is nitpicky, is instead of going all verts, take 10 yards because it's easier to throw from the 15 in the end zone than the 22 or whatever it was. So you can, or even from the 12, run a 10 yard out, take it, and then you got, what, four or five seconds left uh, to, to take that shot at the end zone. Is that me being uh, just kind of anal and nitpicking a little bit, or is that a le- legit beef with the head coach of the Cowboys in that Are play you call? saying before the last play? Yeah. So yeah. If I, there was five seconds left? Uh, well, no, 11 they seconds certainly... to go. Oh, oh, so you're talking, oh. There's a lo- when he, when he, yeah, when so 11, five... 11 seconds oh, left, he went threw... to Tolbert well, that, okay, in the corner. If, uh, now I got you, my bad. Honestly, if you're going to nitpick, I think what you nitpick is they probably should have spiked the ball. It was just first down, you spike it, you're 11 seconds left when you spike it. You have two plays that you can kind of get to where it's not uh, chaos and, and things, right? Where you can kind of set what you want and maybe, like you said, you can you can sit because there was chaos going on. Right. And I don't know if there was a play called I, because Dak did not spike it. Um, and I think it was like, hey, everybody get to the end zone and make it up as you go along. They're just playing ball at that point. I think if they spiked it, they might have been better served that way. But I asked McCarthy about that today. He's like, they have both those options available to clock it or, or what they call nine one one because they didn't they thought maybe they could get Philadelphia not reset and, and ready to go at, at all. But I'm with you in because everybody's in the end zone. They got to run back. They they might have been better served just spiking it at that point and and live for with two plays with eleven seconds to go where everybody knows what they're supposed to do as opposed to one play with five seconds to go from the twenty seven. A lot of people concluding then, Todd, off of that, and Todd Archer joining us here on Amber and Ian, a lot of people concluding that this isn't a good situational team, right? And, of course, we've heard that criticism about Mike McCarthy as well in the past. What do you think is the biggest weakness of this team right now? I don't know. I I wouldn't go to game management um, because, uh, you know, if they had – scored a touchdown we were like wow that was great they didn't spike the ball so we'd be calling him a genius <laughs> um but I, but i would say that the biggest weakness right now to, to me it, it's it's kind of half and half and maybe some of the same it's the running game and the offensive line um this is a team that has been built really if you want to go back to 2014 zach martin's rookie year where they had him travis frederick and tyron smith playing at an unbelievable level that year they've been built on their offensive line and running ball, be it DeMarco Murray or Zeke Elliott. And now they're struggling to run the ball. They only average three and a half yards per carry. And I get it. Philadelphia has got a good front and all that. But then you add up the struggles that Terrence Steele had at the right tackle, the five sacks that, that Dak took in the game. Again, not all on the offensive line, I'm sure, but they get pinned with a lot of this stuff. They've got to figure out a way to be much better running the ball and much better in their pass protection because as much as I started talking about Dak using his legs and mobility and making plays with his feet, he's taken a beating that a guy – and we need to remember that he's coming off a major injury a few years ago that has limited his mobility uh, over the last few years. He can play this way, but you're playing with fire. And I think that the offensive line needs to be shored up both in the run and in their pass protection. Archer, miss you, buddy. Ta-da-cha. Thank you. You're the best, bud. Thank you so much for joining <laughs> us right. as always here on ESPN Radio. You got it. Thanks. Appreciate right, it. Man. I mean, it was a heck of a game. And in oh. my opinion, and 
this is going to sound biased because, of course, I had a bunch of Eagles fans in my menchies reminding me that I had chosen the Eagles or the Cowboys to be better than the Eagles this season, which was sacrilege that I chose the second best team last season in the division instead of the first best team in the division. Another double digit team win team last year, but it was like insane that I thought maybe that team would be a little bit better because the other team had lost the coordinators, as you mentioned, and a lot of the starters and yada, yada. So I had a lot of Eagles fans in my menchies. What I came away from that game thinking was, man, these are two great teams. Two great teams that, frankly, are pretty evenly matched. Inches. Yeah. Ian, inches in that game could have gone either way. And boy, did it deliver as a football fan. How far apart are my hands right now? Inches. Yeah, about eight inches. I mean, the two-point conversion, which Dak has to have field awareness and not step out of bounds there. And then Schoonmaker, you run that route a, a half a yard deep on fourth and one on the goal line. Or as... Archer pointed out, you got Brandon Cooks a wide open on the opposite side. But either way, it was a hell of a throw by Dak. Schoonmaker ran the route just a bit shallow. And we could be having mm-hmm. a whole other conversation because also, total net yards. If I would have told you that, uh, that Dallas had over 100 more yards in Philadelphia, mm-hmm. averaged over a whole yard more than Philadelphia, ran 70 plays to Philadelphia's 59. And Dak played better than Jalen, which is true. um, I'm telling you that the Cowboys win on the road in Philadelphia. Instead, you got to give no, it's not blame to the Cowboys. It's full credit to the Eagles for finding a way to win that game and go to 8-1 going into the bye. And oh, by the way, what do we say about Zach Wilson? Take care of the football. Don't turn it over. As Bill Parcells famously said, just drive the bus. What just happened, Amber, in Monday Night Football? Zach Wilson fumbled. Joey Bosa recovers. Chargers are set up right now on their plus 48 on the Jets' 48-yard line, leading 7-zip with about five minutes to go in the first quarter. Wasn't that the second fumble recovery by the Chargers in this game, or did that other one get overturned? The Wilsons. Boy, you guys are having a rough one. The Wilson, Garrett Wilson <laughs> fumbled one, recovered by Derwin James. Uh, Zach Wilson just fumbled, recovered by jo- Joey Bosa. Chargers lead seven. Zip, as I we- mentioned, on a Darius Davis 87-yard punt return for the only score in the game. We will keep you updated on this Monday night football action between the Chargers and the Jets. ESPN Radio is presented by Progressive Insurance. Save when you bundle motorcycle, RV, and boat insurance. Visit Progressive.com. Coming up next on Amber and Ian, what about the games from this past Saturday? Ian Fitzsimmons will break down all of the excellent college football that we saw. ESPN Radio is on the app. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need a fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Penix is going to run under some duress. He's free to his left, still looking downfield, still looking, running sideline. Throws toward the goal line, finds an open receiver and connects. Touchdown, Washington. It was crazy, man. We knew all week. You know, we, we knew the work that we needed to put in, and we did it all week, man. All of us aligned did a heck of a job. To the 30, to the 20, will they catch Johnson? Bulking dive, touches the pylon at the end. Yes, he is. Touchdown. We knew what was going to happen when we first came out here. We just had to come out with the double. 
Chargers sniffing the end zone right now. Second and, uh, and second and goal already up on the Jets seven zip on Monday night football. We'll keep you updated on this one. The score just changed. I'm just waiting the proper beat here so that it's not play by play. And the Chargers now up on the New York Jets. So there you go. They found the end zone. But there is a flag on the eh, eh, be careful. Uh we could be walking it back. Here's the thing though. I'm not trying to talk about NFL right now. All we've been doing is talking NFL. And there was a heck of a slate on Saturday of college football, Ian. It was arguably the best weekend of the entire college football season in terms of the games that we got. You yourself, a college football man, you had to have been loving it. Oh, it was awesome. You know, and, and we're privileged to be on the call there with Mark Kestershire. You heard his calls there on ESPN Radio. Uh, Washington, USC, that's where I was. And then off to uh, Vegas for uh, the NFL slate uh, with the Raiders and Giants. But it was, we, we had 63 points at the half between Washington and USC. 63 at Did the half. Did anybody feel like playing defense in that game? No. No. And if Washington... It's like the opposite of what's been happening in the NFL. Because you were telling us earlier in the show that the under in the NFL has hit some of, what, 65%? 60, or 60% of the NFL games have gone under. Primetime games, nine of the last ten have gone under. And, of course, I have the under in this game, and it's probably going to go over because we've mentioned that trend. Uh, and that is a Chargers touchdown. 13-zip Austin Eckler into the end zone off the Joey Bosa strip sack and fumble recovery on Jets quarterback Zach Wilson. Extra point pending. Chargers up 14-zip. But, you know, Amber, this was, I agree with you 100%, this was the best weekend in college football on the entire season. As a great late great Keith Jackson once said, if you're not a college football fan, you're missing out on one of the great joys in the game of life. And that, that was Saturday. It was epic. The early window you know, was remarkable. Texas, Kansas State going to overtime. You know, we can go on down the list, and then Georgia, Missouri, just duking it out in the afternoon, and then our game in the nightcap, 52-42. And it, look, it was a, it was a tie ball game pretty, pretty much the entire game until midway through the fourth quarter where finally Washington throws a donut up, held Caleb Williams in that vaunted USC offense scoreless. And that was the difference in the game. They come away with a W. But I'll tell you this, Amber, Washington's got to shore up some stuff on defense because if they're going to be a true college football playoff threat, you can't be have two of the three phases. And they do have two of three now. Defensively, they've got to be better. They can't let the 20th-ranked team put up 42 on them, right, if they want to win a college football national title. But the fifth-ranked team in Washington does survive that one. Caleb Williams, as you mentioned, after the game in his mother's arms, she was shielding him from the cameras, but we all knew what was happening. He was sobbing, sobbing. People were ripping him for it. Which is, I mean, mean, ridiculous. Sports, alpha male, men don't cry. Stop. I mean, can't two weeks ago, that guy they're because him. he cries yeah, because he cares too much. But then, yeah. if you can't don't care enough, you can't drop them either because then they don't care enough. How do you like my impression of like that was pretty good football macho man guy? I, I was talking to Cliff <laughs> Kingsbury before the game, who's a who's a senior analyst, offensive analyst for USC, and he said the biggest misconception about Caleb Williams is what you're just talking about that he only cares about himself and not everybody else. And people were like, "Oh, look, he's crying because he lost." No. He was upset because he lost for his guy, the guys around him. That's the reason that dude plays the game. 
It's not for himself. It's for everybody I mean, around him. At the end of the day, regardless of whether he's crying for his own disappointment, or the disappointment of his teammates, or all of it, because frankly, it was probably a combination of all of it. Regardless, don't you want the dude to care? And I mean, Hell, cares he so does. much that he's moved to that level of emotion because that level of emotion isn't something that just comes just because, right? I mean, it's not like he's doing that after every game. He had left it all out there yep. in that game. I would imagine a very frustrating season overall for Caleb Williams. And frankly, it all kind of culminated in that moment where, like you mentioned, this was an incredibly close game for the majority of that game. So Washington then, gets the best of USC. And then USC, the next day, fires their defensive coordinator, Alex Grinch. Yep. And I like Alex. We've known him a long time, but that's something that had to happen. So now we'll see what happens going forward. They get Oregon at Oregon. That ain't going to be pretty. Would you make a poetic justice? The final bedlam matchup and the pokes of Oklahoma State take down Oklahoma on their swan song as they head off to the SEC and Oklahoma State hangs an L on them. And when in a hell of a football game, Oklahoma State wins 27-24. Was that the closest one? That was the most exciting closest one, I think, of the weekend, right? This, this in-state rivalry between Oklahoma State and Oklahoma. And that's what you want. It right? was awesome. I mean, that's... I mean, it was, you know, and I, I thought it was going to be Ali Gordon, who, to me, should be a Heisman Trophy contender. He's leading the country in rushing. He's been absolutely sensational for Oklahoma State. But it was the Alan Bowman show, uh, you know, the former... Texas Tech quarterback, who then went to Michigan, is now at Oklahoma State. He played a hell of a game. And in final bedlam, I thought there was a little bit of uh, poetic justice. Oklahoma's leaving. Well, take mm-hmm. this L with you on your way out the door. Right. And yeah. then Texas Happy and Kansas trails. State going to OT. I mean, I mean, come on. Woo! Yeah, right. Right? I mean, <laughs> Don't let that's the door exactly hit you where the good State Lord did, right? split where you. The, you said it. You knew what I was getting at. Uh, yeah, I mean, Texas, uh, Texas K-State, you had Bama LSU. Bama, by the way. I mean, that team's Ooh. cooking. I, talk about that decision by Nick Saban that he made. Of course, now, now the man looks like a genius, which, fine. We already kind of knew he was. But he looks like an extra genius with what he did earlier in the season with the quarterbacks. And now the way that that has looked here later in the season, Bama rolls LSU 42-28. to you know, Jalen Miller, and, and I'll be talking to him later this week for our college football preview show coming up uh, on Saturday. Milrow, when he gets benched against South Florida after the Texas loss, was the ultimate teammate. And all, it was almost a test by Saban to see his mental makeup, and he was the ultimate teammate. He, gets the, he handed the reins again, and he hasn't looked back. And remember that narrative after they beat South Florida only 17-7, to the dynasty's over? Tell, tell LSU that. Mm-hmm. Tell Tennessee that. Tell Ole Miss that. I mean, that's three top 20 teams that Bama has taken down. You can make the argument they have the best resume of any of the one-loss teams. I, I don't, not even an argument. They do have the best resume of any of the one-loss teams out there, and they are, again, a legit college football playoff contender. They have better a better resume than some of the undefeated. <laughs> Let's be honest about that. You mentioned real quick, Texas K-State went into OT. Texas ends up winning 33-30. to you know, and I, I know Malik Murphy didn't play the best game, and some were wondering was some clock mismanagement there from Sark. I don't care. You find a way to beat their defending Big 12 champs. Mm-hmm. I don't care if it was an overtime, and I don't care they were up big. They found a way to get it done. It ain't easy to win on a Saturday against a top 25 team. Tip of the cap to Texas with a backup quarterback getting it done. Heck of a slate. Heck of a slate Woo! on Saturday. In college football, I wanted to give Ian an opportunity there to tell us about it. We get so focused on the NFL on Mondays, but boy, does college deserve some shine. Coming up next, we will keep you updated on the, on the latest from East Rutherford.